It's a pleasure to uh, have you here this morning. If this is your uh, first time visiting with us, um, my name is Cameron. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we welcome you to Conduit. You've picked a great day um, to, to join with us. We're starting a new series today, uh, a series that is focused around forgiveness. And in uh, preparing, praying through, um, getting ready to preach this now for um, for a while. Uh, this, these these messages, this message, uh, have been on my heart, and uh, believe that the Lord has uh, been preparing us uh, for it. I want uh, to I want to offer some nuances or caveats to uh, even before I say anything else um, to the series as a whole. Uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, 15, 15 years of ministry in, um, how old am I? 37, thank you. 37, um, 37 years of life. Um, you know, I've experienced some, uh, some difficulty, you know, experienced some heartache, experienced offense and hurt. I've also uh, been, uh, I've walked with people through some of the greatest hurts and offenses of their own lives uh, as well. And so, um, without getting into the nitty gritty details of all that, um, these messages, these next few weeks, this next month or so, um, have been prepared holding, holding all of those things in intention and holding all of those things in reality. Meaning that there's... There's not going to be a situation that we talk about in the next few weeks when we talk about, when we're talking about forgiveness that, that somehow is separate from the conversation. In, in preparing and reading and studying and um, planning out this series, I, I have considered every possible scenario when it comes to the question of forgiveness. And... I, I say the question of forgiveness intentionally because um, often forgiveness is a big question. It is a, um, there is a, a big question mark on the end of the sentence that just says forgiveness. Do I? Don't I? How do I? In light of X, Y, and Z. Um, and so... Please know that I don't, I don't intend to um, downplay any hurt that you have, um, that you have experienced. Any, any pain that you might be even walking through even in these moments. Right? Um, any tragedy that has hit your life. Any offense that you have been on the receiving end of. I don't intend to downplay any of that. What I, what I do intend to communicate is that it's my belief and what I believe that Scripture teaches and shows in the life of Jesus Christ, the example of his teaching, is that forgiveness, true forgiveness, is the only way to break free from some of the hurtful, harmful, offensive, abusive, tragic situations of our lives and sometimes forgiveness it needs to occur um, in relationship between me and another person and sometimes forgiveness needs to occur in a relationship between um, God and myself and many times um, uh, forgiveness needs to occur in a big circle with all of those things considered. When we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about, um, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about forgiveness that exists on two planes or in two different directions. And today we're primarily going to be talking about um, the plane of forgiveness that exists between myself and between God. Meaning that there is some... There is some work that happens between 
between the Father and, and, and me, between you and God um, in regards to forgiveness. But equally, um, equally connected, and we'll see this particularly next week, is uh, that God, God's forgiveness of us cannot be separated from our forgiveness of others. Meaning that you cannot have, you cannot have a clear picture of how to work through the hurt and tragedy and offense and pain in your own life if you have not first worked through your relationship of forgiveness with your father, with God your father. Meaning it will be impossible for you to restore horizontal relationships through the power of forgiveness if you have not first dealt with restoring the vertical relationship of forgiveness between you and your Heavenly Father. And so we start out the series this morning um, not with, we're not going to delve really deep into um, the offense and the hurt that often occurs in relationship between um, me and you, you and me, each other. Um, We're going to save that for the next few weeks, don't worry. Like, there will be plenty of it, right? But what we're going to do today is begin to um, begin to dive into, begin to um, explore uh, what Scripture has to say about um, God's forgiveness of you and I. Uh, throughout the series, I hope to do um, a few things or hope to communicate a few things to you, right? Uh, four, four main things, not an exhaustive list, all right? There will probably be more, uh, but four main things that I would like to communicate to you. First off, first and foremost, is that God's forgiveness of me, God's forgiveness of you, cannot be separated from my forgiveness or your forgiveness of others. What we're going to see next week is that all throughout Scripture, Scripture makes the critical link that the measure by which um, you are forgiven by God is the measure by which God, uh, that you will forgive others. Meaning that they cannot, they cannot be separated. The measure by which you are willing to make the decision to forgive others in your life is the measure by which God extends forgiveness to you. Number two, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Meaning that if you are a forgiven people, if you come to the throne of God's unending compassion and grace, pleading for him for mercy in light of your sin, if you have a, if you have a right conception and view and understanding of your own sin and have received from him the assurance of his forgiveness in light of that, you then are both required and motivated and moved to be a forgiving person when offense happens to you. Number three, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice that everyone can make. Number four, Unforgiveness will eat a hole through the center of your life. Sometimes it will do it very quickly. Often it's um, more slow. But five years down the line, ten years down the line, twenty years down the line, you will realize that bitterness has taken root Anger has taken root. Cynicism has taken root. And you no longer have the ability to be in joy-filled, fulfilling relationships. Because every lasting relationship requires forgiveness. Every lasting relationship that you have requires forgiveness. 
not just with family members, not just with a spouse, not just with a, uh, um, not just with a child, but your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Every lasting relationship requires forgiveness. Now I want to, um, I want to use a little bit of a diagram um, this morning um, to try to um, try to exemplify the overall, I, what I would say, the, the main foundational, general um, point of forgiveness this morning and forgiveness as it pertains to God's forgiveness of us. Um, because uh, there, are, there, are some, there are some universal things that, we, that, I've, that I've experienced both in my own personal life and in, um, in working in ministry is that um, forgiveness is a fantastic concept that people believe in and very rarely a reality that they experience. That there is this sense of like, yeah, I believe in forgiveness, I ask for forgiveness, I desire forgiveness, but I don't feel forgiven. And I can't find it within me to forgive so-and-so. I don't feel like forgiving them. And so, um, not to oversimplify anything, I know that those situations are really complex and it will take us a few weeks to unpack that and that's my intention. But I want to start with this little diagram. Everyone knows what the food pyramid looks like, right? And whether or not you agree with the food pyramid or whatever, um, the idea is that... um, the idea is that the most foundational and important things are on the bottom, right? And then it builds up into things that are less and less important for you to, to take in, in in any amount. And so kind of using the idea of the food pyramid to explore this idea of who we are, who you and I are as people, right? At the very base layer, right, we have our identity, who, who we are, who is Cameron Linehart? His personality is like X and Y and Z, right? He is a, um, he is a Christian, right? He is a, he is a son of the father. He is husband to Sherry. He is father to uh, Noah, Abigail, Hannah, Dante, and Haley, or Haley, Olive, <laughs> If you knew my family, you would understand, all right? Um, but identity is what grounds us, right? It's, it's who we are at our, most, at our most deep level, right? Identity grounds us. It's who we are at our, at our most deep level. And what often comes out of our identity is we, we do things based on who we are. Right? You have this personality, identity, and out of that personality comes action. You act out of the grounding of your identity. And because you act in certain ways, and because you do certain things, and because you have certain relationships, it creates, right? It produces um, feelings. I'm angry about this, I'm sad about this, I'm happy about this, I have joy through this, I'm discouraged, or I'm confused, or I'm frustrated, or I'm whatever the case may be. And we have this kind of hierarchy of the way that things in life go, right? Our identity informs our actions, our actions inform our feelings, right? And this is um, ideally how, how we would go about walking through life. How we would, how we would go about um, walking through relationships and through situations. We would, we would analyze the situation, not about how we feel about it, right? But about what, what like, okay, at the core of what it is, what is my I- identity here? What does my identity say that I'm going to do because of it? And how is that going to uh, then produce my feelings? Now, uh, maybe, you, um, maybe you don't 
Maybe you don't, maybe you see very clearly where I'm going with this and maybe you don't, but what is often the case in life, and in particular with forgiveness, is that we flip the triangle upside down. And we say, well, I will forgive, or I am a forgiven person when I what? Feel like forgiving, or feel as though God has forgiven me. The thing that comes first is, what do I feel? Well, I don't feel like God's forgiven me here. I'm carrying all this guilt. I'm carrying all this shame. I'm carrying all this condemnation. I'm hearing the voice of the enemy saying, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. You're not forgiven, you're not forgiven, you're not forgiven. He's still holding it against you. God still remembers it. He's never going to forget, right? And it builds up into us this feeling of being, I oh, know, yeah, I'm, I'm not forgiven. Or in, so in our relationship with God, right? In our relationship with others, well, I'm really angry, and I'm really hurt, and I'm really offended, and I can't believe what they did, and I don't want to have anything to do with them in my life anymore. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like it. And so when I don't feel like it, what do I do? I don't do anything, right? There's, there's no action there. I have, I have no action associated with that feeling. In my relationship with God, if I don't feel forgiven, right, how does that affect my, my action, my relationship with God? Well, when I feel guilty like I've offended someone or hurt someone or made someone angry or done something to, to cause someone else pain, um, a fairly typical human response is that I, I try to avoid them, right? They probably don't want to be around me. They don't like me very much. I'm not a good person. So um, it's probably just best if I avoid the situation altogether. I just don't enter in, back into relationship with them. I just, I just, stay, I just stay away, right? Because I, I feel like he's condemning and judging and shaming me for all of these things that I've done. So if, if that... I, I feel very condemned. I feel very shameful. I feel very guilty. I walk around with my head um, hanging low and my, my spirit feeling condemned. And then that in turn affects my what? Identity. Who I feel like I am. Well, God doesn't love me as son. I, I'm obviously like, God's just really disappointed with me. I'm like, there's, there's no way he could possibly love me. There's no, there's no way that he could possibly want to receive me. There's, there's, no, there's no way that he could possibly like desire um, relationship with me. I'm, I'm accursed from God. I'm separated from God. Like I know that God doesn't want anything to do with me. Um, like I'm outside of the family, like way outside of the family of God. You see, when we start with our feelings... We end up picking up an identity that is so far from the place that God desires us to be, so far from the truth that God says about us, so far from the place of God saying, you are my, be you are my beloved. I am your father. You are my, you are my child. I pursue you. I seeking you i i have separated your sins as far away from you as as the east is from the west i have given myself for you i have i have died for you i will give my holy spirit to you there is nothing that is mine that has not been given to you right like your identity as a person as a son as a daughter of God is completely wiped clean when we start with how I feel rather than what has God said and what God desires for us is that we would get a firm rock solid 
chained to it, can never be broken from identity that he gives to us. Not that is developed out of our feelings, but that is developed out of the truth of his word about what he says about you and I. And if we can develop, if we can by faith grab hold of the identity that God gives to us, then we will begin to act out of our identity and out of our actions will develop feelings then that are true rather than false. It's one of them days. Need one of them T.D. Jakes towels up here because I'm about to start sweating. So here, here is what we want to communicate, all right? God's forgiveness to us. God's forgiveness to you is not a feeling. God's forgiveness to you is not a feeling. You are not forgiven by the Father when you feel forgiven. You are not forgiven when you feel forgiven. God's Forgiveness creates in you a new identity. That's what we're going to talk about today. And when we move from feeling, when we move from feeling to identity, we always walk away from God and into unhealthy living. When we start at the place of our feelings and try to develop our identity based off how we feel, we're always walking in the opposite direction of God. But when we move from our identity, our actions, actions are taking and feelings are developed. Well, what does this mean? Well, um, as some examples we've kind of touched on already, um, many of us are waiting this is an example, all right, of moving from feeling to identity or identity to feeling, okay? Many of us are, are waiting to forgive someone until we feel like we're able to forgive. You're waiting to forgive someone. You're waiting to let go of that hurt. You're waiting to let go of that offense. You, you, you're, you're waiting until you until you begin to feel like, okay, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm ready to forgive now. Newsflash. That feeling is not coming. The feeling is not coming. The feeling of being ready to, or wanting to, or truly desiring to forgive that person, it is not coming. Because forgiveness is not a natural state of the human identity. It is an unnatural state of the human identity. The feeling of forgiveness is not coming. If you you want freedom, if you truly and sincerely desire freedom, if you want to break free from chains of bitterness, of anger, of hurt, or offense in your life, you, you must, you, you absolutely must make the choice to live your life from your identity as a forgiven person rather than just waiting for the feeling to forgive. If you want to break free, if you, are, if, you are, if you are tired of bitterness and anger and hurt and, and malice eating away at your soul, if you, can, 
if you can feel um, the, the poison starting to melt and wash away every good thing that God is seeking to do in your life because of the circumstances or what's been done to you or what has happened or how hurt that you are, you must make the choice to live from your identity as a forgiven person. The first step, the very first step in living from your identity is you can't live from a place that you have no knowledge of, right? You, you need to know who you truly are in Jesus Christ. You need to know who you truly are in Jesus Christ if you want to live from the place of your identity. So, I'm going to do a little um, imagining this morning with me. Okay? Um, So, if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If you don't want to, that's fine. You're going to stand yourself. um, Stand yourself in front of God. However you see God, however you picture Him when you think of God, I want you to stand in front of Him. And picture everything, everything that you try to hide from the world. Everything that you, or maybe just the one big thing, that you are horribly ashamed of. That you are so embarrassed by. The thing that makes you inwardly feel worthless, unloved, shameful. None of that in that moment is hidden from God. It's sitting on the table that's in between you. He sees it. You see it. You both look at it. And then you make eye contact with each other. What is his response to you? What does he say in that moment? What do you see in his eyes as he glances at it and then glances at you? As he looks at it again And then he looks at you. How in that moment does God make you feel? You see, because you and I so often act out of a place of what we feel in a moment... We assume that that is the way that God responds to, right? This is how I feel about this thing. And so this is how God responds as well. You can open your eyes if, you're, if you've closed them. Because we often act out of the place of our feelings, we anticipate that when faced with the thing of our greatest shame, the thing of our greatest um, guilt, the thing, of our, the thing that we're most embarrassed by, right? We, we, because we act out of our feelings, we just kind of naturally assume that God is going to respond out of feeling too, out of a place of emotion, out of a place of pain, out of a place of anger or shame, And so when he sees what we see, he feels the same way about it as we do. 
like, oh, that's gross. That's horrible. How could, how can, how could you? How do you? What? Like, I'm so embarrassed by you. I'm so ashamed of you. But if you've never been told this, I want to tell you today, um, God is not like us. God is not like you. God is not like me. God never acts out of a place of his feelings. God always acts out of his identity, out of his nature, out of his character. The place that all things come from with God is out of who he is, not out of how he feels. And Scripture paints a picture of the identity of God, of the character of God, of the nature of God, not as one that piles on shame, not as one that piles on guilt, not as one that piles on the, the, the worthless words of the enemy because of what you've done, but what Scripture communicates to us about the nature of God is that He is, he is not just eager to forgive, but it is His greatest desire for you is that you would be a forgiven person. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, even before, right? Even before Jesus was even on the scene, right? The character and nature and identity of God was one that was not at all reluctant to forgive, but raced to the place of our sin in eager expectation that he could absorb it into himself. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17 Nehemiah reminds the people of Israel here. He says, they refused to listen. They, ref they failed to remember the miracles that you performed among them, God. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. Right? But, but, you, you are a forgiving God. You are a forgiving God. You are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. God is not a reluctant forgiver. God does not look at the things of our lives like we look at them and become disgusted with us, pro like project some, some, um, some worth on us or some, some, um, some condemnation or guilt or shame, all that is laid before the table between God and I is a roadmap to his forgiveness of us. In Colossians, the letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes to the, the church there. And he lays out for them the reality of their identity and the eagerness of God to forgive them of all that is shameful in their life. Colossians chapter 2, verses um, 13, 14, and 15. Paul says, When you were dead in your sins, 
when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, when, when that was your identity, when your identity was sin and death, your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When we were dead in our sins, when our, when our nature was nothing but sinful, Scripture tells us that God then in response made us alive with Christ. He took everything that made us dead, everything that made us sinful, the worst of the worst, everything that was laid out on the table between, between you and him, and he forgave it all. He made us then alive with Christ. The thing that made us dead, he took it away, he nailed it to the cross, he forgave us all of our sin, and we became alive with Christ, triumphant over the thing that brings shame, the thing that brings guilt, the thing that brings condemnation, the thing that brings pain. He changed in that moment on the cross, not just your feelings, but your identity. You are not sinful in nature. You are now alive with Jesus Christ. He removed it from us, the scripture says. Now, the, I mean, we, you could be, um, you could be tempted to say, well, that was nice of him. I didn't even have to do anything. Right? I didn't have to do any. God just forgave me of all of my sins. God just wiped it all away. I was sinful in nature, and, and God, it says right there, God made me alive with Christ, right? And he took, he, took all that was, he took all that was against him, right? And he nailed it to the cross, and now I'm triumphant over sin and death and the grave. And I would say, yeah, you are right, but you are wrong if, there, if you think that like, if that happens without some steps. You see, what Scripture declares about forgiveness over and over and over and over again is that forgiveness is universally, immediately, fully, and totally available to all. That you don't need to look a certain way. You don't need to, I would say, act a certain way. You don't need to be a certain way in order for forgiveness to be offered to all. But what Scripture does say is that that forgiveness comes immediately on the heels of of confession and repentance. That forgiveness is universally and completely and totally and immediately available, that your identity is instantaneously changed 
when we confess our sins, when we repent of what we have done, and when we trust in Jesus Christ for the sufficiency of that forgiveness. Forgiveness is ours, not just in feeling, but in identity. Well, I've confessed my sins, and I've I've truly repented, and I'm seeking to live in holiness, but I just don't feel forgiven. It does not matter what you feel. Your identity is as forgiven. You have been forgiven. When we confess our sins, the word says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have to ask the question, all right? We have to ask the question. If the word says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There is no qualification on this. There is no, you're forgiven when you feel forgiven. When you finally get that assurance of God's God's, um, pleasure with you, forgiveness over you, then, then you can know for sure that you are forgiven. There's no qualifier here. There's no caveat here. There's no, there's no nuance here. He is faithful and just. He is faithful and just, right? He is faithful and just that when we confess our sins, he forgives us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Well, I don't feel forgiven. You are. You are. You are forgiven. You are either forgiven or God is not faithful and God is not just. You are forgiven. Confession and repentance is the step that changes our identity. Confession and repentance is the moment that we take off that robe of sin, that we put on that robe of Christ, where we are purified from all unrighteousness. Confession and repentance has become somewhat of a taboo or not often discussed, um, preached on, talked about topic in our, um, in our discipleship to Jesus. In our consistent walk, uh, in our consistent like following of Jesus, what does it mean to confess? What does it mean to repent? Right? If you go back to that moment of standing before God, if you go back to that moment where everything or the one thing or the many things is laid out on the table and God sees it for what it is and you see it for what it is, there is there's no confusion about what it is. There's no hiding it any longer. There's no, there's no like, um, well, we'll just kind of, yeah, we're kind of working through it. Like, no, it is perfect. It is fully and 100% laid out for all to see. There is no hiding it. There is no rationalizing it. There is no normalizing it. It is what it is. Father, I confess that I have sinned. I confess that these things laying before you 
laying before me. have put this huge gash in my relationship with you. This huge gash in my relationship with others. I recognize it, Lord, for what it is. I'm not trying to rationalize my way through it. I'm not trying to make excuses for what it is. I'm not trying to normalize my behavior. It is sin, and I don't want it anymore. I confess it and give it to you. Lord, I repent of my sin. Help me, Lord, to not just leave it at the table so that I can pick it back up again. But Lord, repentance. It means to turn my back. Turn my back on my sin and to walk in a different direction with you. It is in that moment It is in that critical moment. It is in that moment that sometimes happens 30 times a day. Right? There's no no like, um, oh, geez, Cameron, you've been here a few times already today, so I'm going to have to cut you off at like 7 or 8. Right? No. Like, the table is universally approachable. Right? Why, why this message? I, I understand, I understand that um, very likely the main things that we want to, we want to deal with in regards to forgiveness is maybe or not necessarily our relationship with God. My guess is, my guess is, is that you came this morning wanting to hear a relation, or uh, a, a message about how do I forgive someone who's done X? Or when can I expect forgiveness from someone who has done Y to me? That, that we, we, we want to we delve into the, we want to delve into the topics of, a topic of forgiveness between people and uh, let me tell you we are gonna get there and it's gonna be super uncomfortable right I'm just telling you right off right off the bat right it's not don't don't think that that's the good message like that's the, the <laughs> we're gonna do listen we need to do some hard work remember when I said that forgiveness like um, if you're waiting for the person to feel like forgiving you or if you're waiting to feel like you're ready to forgive until you go and for, until you forgive someone, remember when I said it's not coming? That feeling is not coming? Forgiveness is hard work because it's not natural. It, it, requires, it requires something of us that we are not naturally wired to do. It requires something of us that, that, that demands that we act outside of the place of how we feel and root ourselves in the identity that God has given to us as forgiven people by the blood of Jesus Christ through confession and repentance because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's not a natural feeling, and it's hard. There's nothing easy about it. But listen... You must, you must understand this critical thing, all right? If you haven't listened to a single word that I've said all morning, please hear this right now. Hear this. 
you will never experience freedom from unforgiveness in your relationships if you don't come to grips with your own sin You will never experience freedom in your relationships with others if you don't come to grips with your own sin and the necessity to confess and repent for the offense of your sin to the heart of God. It doesn't matter how wronged you think you have been It doesn't matter how justified you feel in holding on to that hurt. It doesn't matter how painful it is and how comfortable that pain has been for you. If you are a forgiven person, you must be a forgiving person. And if you are not a forgiving person, you will never be a forgiven person. And that is the hardest truth of Scripture that we're going to deal with next week. Is that if we refuse to forgive, God refuses to forgive. Forgiveness is critical. We come to the table, right? interesting that we, um, or not interesting, not coincidental, that we used the image of a table this morning, the place where all of, um, all of our sin has been laid, the table that sits between God and I, and all of the shame, and all of the guilt, and all of the pain lays before him and I. And it's seen for what it is. And he looks at it, not with shame towards me, not with shame towards you in your own situation. But in the midst of our sin, in all that we have done, in all that we have experienced, in all that we have said, in all, in, in all of it, God takes his own thing, right? And he sets it on, on top of that table, and he, and he covers up everything that we put on the table. He takes his own thing, and he, he, he puts that on top of our thing, right? And, and our thing melts away. And just like Paul wrote in uh, Colossians that God forgave us all of our sin. He nailed it to the cross. We come um, to the communion table in a, um, I will say, loosely symbolic understanding that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the sanctifying work for the forgiveness of our sins. That, that forgiveness is not available to us apart from the work of Jesus Christ. Apart from the brokenness of Jesus' body. Apart from the shedding of Jesus' blood. On a night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he met with his disciples in an upper room, and he took a loaf of bread, and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father for the bread, and then he broke the bread. 
and he gave the bread to his disciples, saying, Take and eat of this, all of you. This is my body, which has been broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father for the cup, and then he gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink of this, all of you. This is my blood, which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we come periodically to the table to remember what Christ has done. To remember that in the midst of our sin, in the depth of, in, in the midst of our sinful nature, God gave His Son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for our own sin. That by faith in Him, by confession and repentance, we would receive forgiveness. That we would be cleansed from all unrighteousness. That our sin would be perfectly satisfied. That our identity would be changed. I want to invite you up uh, this morning to receive communion. If you've not ever taken communion with us, you can come through the center aisle. When you get up front, uh, you can break off a piece of the bread from the loaf. You can at that point uh, dip it in the cup. You can take communion right there in that moment. Um, We have um, kneelers up front here. If you would like to stay and pray. If you, this morning, are feeling as though you are continually carrying guilt, shame, condemnation, that you have not experienced through confession and repentance the forgiveness of your sins, then you can walk out of this place this morning not necessarily with new feelings but certainly because God is faithful and just you can walk out with a new identity an identity as a forgiven person cleansed of all unrighteousness sin forgiven and removed from you as far as the east is from the west. If you would like someone to pray with you, all you got to do is stay there. And someone will be there to pray with you, whether it be myself or another one of our uh, leaders here to come up and pray with you. Do not leave this place carrying the sin that you've so heavily carried for so long. Jesus invites you to leave it here. To experience the freedom of a life of righteousness. And to move into a season of life breaking free from your own unforgiveness in your horizontal relationships. I've been praying for you all week. I've been praying that God would bring, um, honestly, a tremendous amount of conviction into your heart of the sin that you must confess and repent of so that God, by His Spirit, would begin a tsunami of personal revival in your life. That has been my prayer all week. Don't miss the opportunity to do it today. You don't need to be a member of this church or any church to receive communion with us today. You need only to decide that today is the day that you will trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Um, could I, um, Pete, would you serve communion with me?
uh, or have Pete come up and serve communion. If you um, have a gluten intolerance but would still like to take communion with us this morning, we have a bowl of uh, gluten-free elements up here. You are more than welcome. Just come over. or you, I guess you can come in either line and just let us know that you would like gluten-free when you get up here. Um, you can bring your kids up. Funny thing is that forgiveness is offered to everyone, right? Even before you might have the intellectual understanding of your need for it, Jesus still offers himself to every single person that comes, right? How many times did I come to the altar of Jesus Christ asking for forgiveness, not truly understand even what I was asking for or experiencing, but by his grace he still offered himself to me. So bring your kids up, rip off a piece of the loaf, dip it in the cup, give it to them. They can do it themselves if you, um, if you prefer. We're going to welcome the band up. We'll serve them first, and then um, we'll welcome the rest of you up.